Somebody mentioned uh, what was the saddest verse in the Bible. I think I was eating dinner or having a talk group. Uh, technically, in my mind, it's 1 John 5.19. So let's have a look at the, the saddest verse in the Bible. I don't know what it really says, but this is what I think it says. Is that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Is that what it says? 1 John 5.19. Nice, I nailed it. Okay, that's good. So if this is true, we need a lot of help because we're in the world under control of the evil one. And the whole world around us needs help because they're under the control of the evil one. This means like even your grandma is under the control of the evil one. And that's just unthinkable. But this is the biblical reality. How are you doing realizing that the world is messed up? That there really is a personal devil? Okay. So this is kind of setting us up for our talk tonight that we need the Messiah's power to live in such a world that is controlled in some degree by the evil one. We could use some power, couldn't we? So this is part of the good news is understanding the bad news. And that the good news is the Messiah does share with us his power through his Holy Spirit. So what's our next slide say, Dan? There it is. The Messiah's power is the Holy Spirit. Um, take a look in the Old Testament at one of the, the big prophets, Ezekiel. We're going to be in verse, uh, we're going to be in chapter 36, verses 26 and 7. So I'm going to need a helper because I, I can't think about what I'm saying and find verses. Ezekiel 36, 26. could spend all night just thinking about Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. What a promise from our God, our creator, our Lord, says he will take our heart of stone out of us, give us a heart of flesh. Isn't that a great metaphor? For? It's like, wow, what's wrong with our heart, he will take out and put what is needed in. In fact, he will give us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And I love in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is named holy. Don't we need to be a little bit more separate from uh, the negative things in our culture? Yeah, don't we need to be a little bit more close to the Lord? And like holy is the word that talks about that separateness of being different like him. So a good thing that the prophets promised 
that the Lord himself would give us his spirit. Uh, any of you have had a dad? Anybody? Uh-huh. Anybody had a perfect dad? Uh, oh, you are. That's it. We can bonfire. <laughs> okay. Oh. Where am I going with this story? The Holy Spirit, the Lord gives to us when we say yes to him. He gives us his power. He gives us a new heart, a changed heart. He gives us the power of God's spirit that lives right inside of us. It will prompt us to say yes to the things of God and no to the things of this world, say no to the things of the devil. Um, and I think sometimes we have misconceptions about God. Did we touch on that, like, already this weekend? Yeah. I think one of the reasons, like, I have misconceptions about the Lord in the beginning of my uh, walk with the Lord was uh, my dad was, like, a real perfectionist about grades. Anybody had a, have a mom or dad like that? It's like, you know, I'd bring home C's. I was pretty happy I passed. And <laughs> he says, you can do better. Well, it's obvious. There's two more grades about that. Yes, I know I can do better. Well, you need to do better. And then I'd bring home B's. Better. I said, Dad, I got B's. I used to get C's. <sighs> you can do better. So I brought home A's. Once I brought home all A's. Can you believe it? It was crazy in middle school. I brought home all A's once. And my dad says, you can do better. And I'm thinking, there's a different grade besides an A. <laughs> what is this grade? How do you get this grade? Yeah, so that kind of messed me up. So what kind of unwanted personality trait did I develop? Well, a little bit of perfectionism, maybe, because I was raised by a perfectionist. A little bit of like a critical spirit, because my dad was kind of critical of me, how I could improve all the time, instead of saying, well done for what I'd done well. None of you have a critical spirit like of other people, do you? I hope not. Okay. Um, you know, one of the first things the Lord did in my life when I chose to believe in him and his spirit came inside of me, I was encouraged by the spirit that I needed to learn to be a thankful person instead of a critical person. And one of the practices I have still to this day is when I start my day with the Lord, and it's okay if you end the day with the Lord, if that works better for you, or the, if you're a middle-of-the-day person, that's great too. But when I start my day with the Lord, I write down things that I'm thankful for is the very first thing I do. I think Psalm 100 says, uh, we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, and we enter his courts with praise. So I come to the Lord with my thanks, the very first thing. And he started me off on 15 thanksgivings is how I started my day. And it takes a while to come up with 15 things you're thankful for. And by the time you've come up with 15, well, your God time is over. Uh, 
it just took me a while. But what happened? Week after week, month after month, year after year of giving thanks to the Lord, the very first thing of every day, I became a thankful person, and I realized I wasn't so critical anymore. The Holy Spirit had been coaching me, nurturing me, nudging me into being a thankful person. My mind was getting changed. My heart of stone was getting taken out. A heart of flesh was getting put in. I was becoming more like the Lord. I was beginning to image him like I was supposed to do in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. What might the Lord be doing in your heart to, like, take that stone out, put the flesh in, to put his spirit in you, to make you more like the Holy Spirit, one different from your culture? Holy Spirit gave me the ability to learn to start the day differently. And I do this other thing. Remember we were talking about, um, what was it, Mark 8, 34 through 38, how we've got to, like, deny ourselves and pick up our cross and die and, and follow the Lord and live for him in the gospel. And so one of the very first things I say, sometimes the first thing I say as soon as I wake up is, I'm a dead man. And that really... Uh, it's, I am really tired when I wake up. So it does work for me. But also then I realize, no, I'm supposed to say I die to myself. And then I say, okay, I die to myself, Will, and I live for you. And that's how I start out every day, cognizantly saying, I am on course to do what you do, Lord, today. To say what you say, to think what you think, to go where you go. I serve at your pleasure today. And I am the most me I've ever been as I continue to walk in that. And that is the cool serendipity of when we are living in the power of the Holy Spirit is we are the best person we could possibly be. And we actually like ourselves. Anybody besides me want to like themselves better? Hello? Okay. Uh, This room, side a little bit more. Some people in the back don't want to like themselves. Oh, oh, they are repenting. <laughs> okay, they still do. Okay. So what is the Holy Spirit showing you that he wants you to be free from? Yeah. So what else do we learn about the power of the Messiah, who is the Holy Spirit? In the Old Testament, in, in Ezekiel, he said, you know, the new heart, uh, the Spirit will actually live inside of you. In Joel chapter 2, Joel 2, that's one of the small prophets, the short prophets, um, the near the end of the Old Testament prophets, find Joel 2, 28 through 32. What's it say? Oh my gosh, I turned there, that must be the Holy Spirit. Ah. Uh, I think I've just turned there enough in preparation for the message. Who's going to read, um, what did I say, 28 through 32? Thank you. 
It says God wants to give his spirit to everybody. But like we were learning before, we do have to ask. Okay, we do have to decide to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm just wanting to point out to you, wouldn't it be logical if you have not done that yet? Wouldn't this be like the logical moment to do that? You're in this environment where we're talking about this. When else is your mind going to be totally thinking about this and surrounded by, by a bunch of people that really do connect with the Lord? Uh, so I want to throw that option out. This might be a great night to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you the rest of my life. Yes, Lord, I need my sins forgiven. Yes, Lord, I need your spirit to come inside of me. Yes, Lord, I heard there's a Bible I'm supposed to have a look at. This would be a great time. Just a great time. You can do it all on your own. You can tell somebody you did it. You can ask somebody to pray with you, all that stuff. It says, I will pour my spirit on all people. God wants to help all people, even old men. We get to dream dreams. <laughs> we fall asleep easier. Uh, young, young men, they'll just see visions. They're always awake. So much caffeine, those young men. Um, even on my servants, both men and women. Hello, women too. Brought my spirit on the women. Spirit-filled women. Yes, men. Those are the kind. <laughs> That's what we want. Can I get a hoorah from the men? <laughs> oh, yeah. Spirit-filled women. Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, what else does the Bible say? Yeah, that's what it says. Okay, so. Don't miss this, people. The God who loves us does not want us to distance ourselves from him or from sinful humanity. He just wants us to be different from them and close to him, okay? He wants to give us power to live like he wants us to live, and he wants to give us power to love others like he wants us to love others. So we're to be different from our culture, which might take a little bit of distancing. Like I had to stop going to parties. Anybody here might need to stop going to so many parties or certain kinds of parties or... Some of you probably need to learn what a party's about. <laughs> and for that kind of person, Kyle throws parties all the time. <laughs> so part of what I don't want you to miss is God is not out to destroy humanity, even when they sin. And... Ought we as God's people be out to destroy the humans that are sinning and don't acknowledge the Lord? Do we want to, like, punish them and demean them and be against them? In fact, I'm wondering if Seahawks fans ought to love 49er fans more than we do. Now, that was hard, that was hard for me to say. I wonder if I have kind of a stony heart in regards to the 49ers. I don't even know why I'm saying their names so many times this weekend. That's just wrong. No, but, but the Bible says, no, Michael, you have to love them. Are there categories of people that you don't love? 
Well, then maybe you need to repent because God loves everybody. He wants to give everybody his spirit. There's people that you don't like, right? That's okay that you don't like them because maybe they aren't very likable or maybe they've been bad to you or whatever. But you still need to love them. And that might include changing the way that you think about them and the way you treat them. Okay. God gives us his spirit to give us the power to love other people, even ones we don't like. And here might be the best thing that is said tonight. Did you know the power of God, the Messiah's power, the Holy Spirit, will give us the ability to actually love ourselves? Oh, my goodness. There is this incredible story uh, that involves Jesus, and somebody asked him, Master, what is the, the greatest commandment? He said something like, well, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and mind and soul and strength, with everything you have. Like we'd say, with all your guts. No, that's just a guy thing. What do girls say? With all your heart. Okay, in a higher voice. With all your heart. Okay, so, um, yeah. And then he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Did you know in that command of Jesus, we have to love ourselves? So some of you are pretty mad at yourself, don't like yourself or whatever. This would be a great night to repent of not liking yourself. And say, Lord, I've heard I'm supposed to love myself. So you could start that. And then there's all those neighbors you have to love. And you can say, Lord, I repent of not loving them so much and uh, help me. Oh, we're on page three. Hmm. We can do this. Okay. Did you guys know, as the next slide says, that Jesus did all of his life and ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, Jesus is 100% God. 100%. Guess what? He's 100% human. And I want to suggest to you something that you might not have thought of before. How do you do all those miracles? I want to say he didn't do them because he was God. I want to say he did them because he was a spirit-filled human. I want to say that spirit-filled women have way more power than they understand. And spirit-filled men have way more power than they understand to love, to maybe pray for people and see answers. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, like, prayed for somebody who was sick and they got well. You should try it. It happens all the time. I remember the first time that I tried that as a new believer, and it worked, so it got me all jacked up um, to keep trying. And I hope that you will try at some point to pray for somebody, and God, in his mercy and grace, sometimes he just heals them. Mindy was having a migraine headache, and she'd gone through her phone list. Uh, this was back in college. <laughs> she finally got down to me because nobody was answering their phone. 
Michael, I've been calling everybody. I had this horrible migraine. Would you pray for me? So I said, yeah. And I just read the book of Acts where they lay hands on people when they pray. I didn't know that was a thing, being a good Methodist. And so um, I ran up the hill to her dorm room and knocked on the door. She let me in and said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. And uh, I read in the book of Acts that you lay hands on people. She says, okay. Put my hand on her head and said, Jesus, just take your migraine away. Amen. And then went away like that. Freaky. Cool. Biblical. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. See what I did there? Okay. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 1. We seem to like Mark 1. Chapter 1, 9 through 13. Mark chapter 1, 9 through 13. (laughs) There was another really cool, I have to just tell you stories because why not. There's another cool time that I prayed for somebody. um, And this is not to say anything about me. I can't heal people. You can't either. It's the Lord doing it. <coughs> Can you imagine being a, a young college woman and you grow this growth on your calf as big as a golf ball? Would you be a little upset? Annoying, uncomfortable, how do you get your jeans on? All that kind of stuff. And she was one of our student leaders. And so we're in a leadership meeting and she explains to everybody she's got this growth on her leg. And so we just pray for her and no more growth. It disappeared. No. I don't go around looking at people's legs under their jeans. No. <laughs> no, but you could feel it. Because we did that. Yes. Oh, I hope this is not being recorded. Okay, so. um, (laughs) Okay, just forget that we're here tonight. Okay. um, No. No, if we did that Acts thing that we learned about, you know, laying hands on people. So that's, that was, dear Jesus. Um, Verse 9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth. In Galilee, he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. I wonder what that looks like. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. Descending like doves descend, or did he look like a bird? I don't know. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. Angels. Satan. Wilderness. Temptation. Voices from heaven. Heaven being torn open. Birds. Baptism. What's the first thing God the Father does to launch Jesus into his life of ministry? Water baptism. 
What's the second thing? Gets him acquainted with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descends on him. With the, seer, with the Spirit. Well, as you're reading through the New Testament, the Spirit can come upon you. It can fill you. It can lead you. All sorts of stuff. I shouldn't say it. He can. And so water baptism, spirit baptism, and then this voice of affirmation, love, acceptance, family relationship between the Father and the Son. I think this is in our text for a specific reason. So that we, as God's children, will also know the things he wants us to do is to make up our mind, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus, and let's get baptized, this beautiful picture of having everything washed away. Let's, let's get intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Let's have the Holy Spirit in our life. And let's learn to hear the Father's affirmation. You are my beloved, beloved child, and I love you. I am pleased with you. We need to hear that. And I think that's why that's in the text, right at the beginning of the good news, according to St. Mark. We need this pattern in our life. We need to know we're loved. And we're washed clean. And we have all the help and all the power of God himself, the Spirit, at our disposal, living right inside of us. Any of you people besides me ever get tempted? Yeah, Jesus had to enter like 40 days in a row. That is a lot of temptation. You can read the story. I think it's in Luke 4 if you want to turn there. I'm not going to. Um, the devil is there tempting him personally. I don't think I've ever had the devil tempt me personally, and I hope I never meet the devil. I probably just have some like minor evil spirit yeah Yeah. I don't think I'm important enough I don't think any of us are but we do get tempted and what is the greatest temptation for our generation I think the greatest temptation for us is to leave things undone that we know we ought to do we have so much ambition as young people but what do we do with it? Yeah, so there's sins of omission and commission. Jesus got tempted to, what, jump off the temple, make a big display, a showy display. He got tempted because he'd been fasting 40 days to, to feed himself. He got tempted to bow down and worship the devil, and then the devil would give him the control of the whole earth back. Jesus knew all those things were not the way God does it. And we get tempted just in the same way to do things our own way, right? To make a, a big display of ourselves, to try to find our nourishment from someone or something else besides God. God is the one who really feeds us life every day. Yeah. We get tempted. Yeah. We get tempted to make a name for ourselves and try to exert control over so many realms. Same kind of temptation. But how did Jesus overcome? Did you notice, like in Luke 4, because you're, you're all there because you, you don't know what it says yet, and so you turn there because I suggested it. Jesus says it is written. And 
then he would quote the verse, and then he says, it is written. Every temptation he just said is written. The devil got mad once and said, it's also written. He threw it back, and Jesus countered it. It was a Bible fight. All of the scripture was from Deuteronomy. Where do you think Jesus had been reading that day? Deuteronomy. If we spend regular time in the Bible, we will have the ammunition to say, okay, this is what the Bible says, to take our stand on it, and that's how we beat temptation, is we say, the Bible says, and I am for the God of the Bible, I'm for the truth of the Bible, I will live that way, and I have the power of the Spirit inside of me to do it. Page four, and we're almost done. What power does the Holy Spirit give to you and I? Let's have a look at John 3, 3 through 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 1, 2, 3, verse 1, 2, 3. Jesus replied, Truly, really truly, my verse says, very truly, I tell you. It's like, this is so true, you won't believe it. It says, this is so true, you better believe it. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. You've heard that phrase before? How can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked him. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Picture that, guys. Picture that, Gerald. Okay. Nicodemus was right on, wasn't he? <laughs> We're not getting back in there. Okay. Jesus says it's not like that. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Being born from above is being born by God's spirit. God's spirit enters us. In conclusion. What does God's spirit do for us? He gives us the ability to be born again, born from above, born by the spirit, to reconnect with God. And again, this is something that is essential. It's a beginning thing for all of us. Um, the spirit of God gives us the ability to image God, just like we are supposed to, the, the first commission, the first assignment in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. We're made in the image of God. Male and female were made, and we're supposed to rule over the fish, remember, and the creeping things and the birds. And we're supposed to subdue the earth, which means to bring it under control, away from the chaos monster of the Egyptian theology, to bring order to it, to bring order because God is ruling in our lives and through other people and building the community of God. What else does the, the Spirit give us the, the power to do? Maybe you've heard of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, I think it is. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is like love. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to love. Uh, joy, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to experience joy. Not nonstop joy, but the ability to rejoice. To go back to our source, to Jesus, and to get full of joy again. Peace. Uh, peace is such a uh, hmm, 
has narrow meaning in the English language. But in the Hebrew language where we get this idea that, that Jesus is quoting, um, it comes to us through the Greek because everybody was using the Septuagint. Um, peace is shalom, which means complete well-being. Everything is well in your life. That's peace. Every bit of peace. The Holy Spirit moves us in that direction to find the shalom and well-being of God. Love, joy, peace, patience. You never need patience with anybody, do you? Kindness. Yes, there is that person that lives near you that needs kindness. What else does it say? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I need to be gentle. I need to have self-control, don't you? The Holy Spirit gives us all this. And he gives us the power to love other people. I'm just going to keep saying that. Okay. So now, really in conclusion, take a few minutes and just review your notes, okay? Maybe journal again, try to sum up what God was saying to you. He wants to get his image into us. He wants us to do the things that we've left undone, the flip side, the sins that we do, the things we ought not to do, that we know we ought not to do. He gives us the power to say no to that. Yeah. Uh, here's a free verse that I don't think was in the message. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. And God's faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but will also provide a way of escape so you can stand up under it. It's not like you're not going to be tempted. It might feel like you're in a burning home and you're going to have to crawl to that open door somewhere, but he will provide a way of escape. Yeah. So just write down the things the Spirit is saying to you. Get it all summed up so you're able to tell somebody else what you're learning. Can we have the worship team come as we're doing this?